0: The thing is, when you think about housing, whether it's your primary home, long term or short term rental, whenever there's a shift in society or culture, it's going to have an impact on the home. We talked a little bit about the shift to flexible workspaces and all of these other things. All of those things combined, I think, are affecting where people want to live. That has an effect on supply and demand. And all of those things, I think, are contributing to why short term rentals
1: are booming right now. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast, presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten, and
0: I'm Julian, and today we're talking about short-term rentals.
1: Yes, but first, y'all, join me in wishing Julian a happy birthday. Yeah, <laughs> this episode releases on his birthday, Monday, June 5th. So, shout out to you and Don't your put birth. my security question. I know, right? <laughs> 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 no, nah, I appreciate it. All right. So this episode is inspired by a couple of things. One, we recently contributed to a story that the Financial Diet is doing about Airbnb. And it really got my wheels spinning about the state of the space and how all the people who invested in this space during the pandemic times, during the peak pandemic times, how they're faring.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated that conversation for a lot of reasons. It also validated I would say, our suspicions because it did kind of feel like, you know, there was like so much more interest in short term rentals. It felt like everybody was jumping in um, over the last couple of years. And so we were really excited to contribute to that. So yeah. when we get that, uh, I'm looking forward to reading it and sharing it on our other platforms. But I also think it's it's cool because it just reminded me of how long we have been, I guess, guests participants in yeah. Airbnb. Like, we've never owned one, but... No,
1: well, we stay in quite a few.
0: In- ...international. So we've been to Cusco, Peru. That was a very... Uh, mm-hmm. interesting experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sicily in Italy, Montreal, yeah. Nashville, like a couple of cities like Tampa, in Dallas. the South, Tampa, Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. So we, we've tried, I feel like we've gotten a good experience of like Airbnb over the last couple of years. But like I said, we've never actually owned one. Uh, but either way, it just sort of, it seems like this is like a top of mind kind of topic of conversation. So I'm glad we're, we're jumping into it.
1: Yeah, so today we want to talk a little bit about the rise of short-term rental investors, what to consider if you are thinking about becoming an investor, and hopefully leave you with a list of pros and cons as you consider this option. Now, let's go back to the beginning a little bit, because the short-term rental space has a very similar origin story as FinTech. Mm. It was founded in 2008 during the Great Recession, and the story goes that the founders were struggling to afford their rent and came up with this idea of renting air mattresses in their living room to attendees of this design conference that was in town because all of the hotels were sold out.
0: I've completely forgot about that origin story. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. You're right. Which sounds so weird. It was
1: wild. <laughs> but
0: I kind of get it. It was like, hey, I you know. can rent out an air mattress on someone's Floor (laughs) for 25 bucks or however much it was.
1: Yeah. Well, it was a success and they realized that there may be a larger market. So they created an online platform to enable other people to do the same thing. Fast forward to today and they have expanded beyond their initial focus of spare bedrooms and air mattresses. And now on Airbnb, you can get a range of experiences from tiny houses to luxury villas to tree houses. They have all kinds of stuff on there. And that is where the investor swooped in. So once the online platform existed, it made it really easy for people to rent out their own homes or apartments on a short-term basis and earn additional income. If you couple that with the rise in the sharing or gig economy and how normal sharing people's stuff became and the changes in the work patterns and people were working remote and more flexible work arrangements, you can really see that customers became more open to options and were looking for more affordable and personalized travel experiences than hotels could offer. Yeah,
0: this is bringing me back to the birth or the early days of Uber as well. Like these two sort of were growing at the same time and introducing this idea of the share economy. Now, I can't predict the future, so it's hard for me to say whether or not these are mature industries or spaces or whether or not this is still very much a blip blip or early. You
1: can have a 10-year blip in the United States.
0: You sure can. (laughs) But this could be, you know, the 10th year on a 100-year run for Right. I know. I have right. no idea, but I will say we certainly have seen some signs of maturity. Uh, and one of the things that I think is really, really indicative of that, there's several that I think that I want to talk about. The first one is the rise of groups of people who want to stay at only like Black-owned Airbnbs. And the reason for that was because there was a time period where people were experiencing, predominantly people of color were experiencing discrimination when they would try to make these reservations. I think it was something to the effect that if you'd make the reservation and then on All of a sudden they would like cancel or show no availability. But very similar to other issues you see in the housing appraisal market, you switch up the face, you switch up the art, and then all of a sudden the homes are available, right? So that led to people saying, hey, I still like this idea, but now I want to ensure that I can protect myself against those things. And so you saw over the last couple of years, for sure, this rise in Black-owned Airbnbs. According to Airbnb Global Head of Hosting which is a woman, they've been really, really paying attention to not just that, but also the role that women play in this because there are other causes for concern for women who are traveling, whether it's leisure or on on business. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to stay with someone or somewhere where I don't necessarily feel safe. Very similar issues in the hotel. And so she's making sure that they're doing something about this. But I found some really interesting stats. One is that according to a travel and leisure article, as of 2022, approximately 56% of the global host community is women. So Over half of Airbnbs are basically owned by women. In the United States, that number is higher. It's 59%. And in some countries like South Africa the number for super hosts, which is basically like really, really good hosts is upwards of like 65%. So that's really, really cool. Now, what I thought was even more interesting, fun fact, and this comes straight from Airbnb, is that according to them, they did a study and the highest, well, they didn't do a study. They monitor hosts and ownership. But the, <laughs> they don't
1: have to do a study. They don't have to do a study <laughs> on <laughs> they themselves. Just they just the
0: go look at and see you know, yeah. what's, what's rising, what's falling. But the fastest growing, Group of Airbnb hosts is drumroll senior citizens. Wow. People over the age of 65, right? So grandma, grandpa or auntie and uncle, empty nesters, or never had children at all, they are seeing this as an opportunity to earn a little bit more income, make ends meet. Uh, And so that's really, really interesting. And you see a very similar split with women leading the way in that regard. Now, that in and of itself, I think, is really, really fascinating. But all of that to say, when you think about, what, 10, 15 years ago, when we first started thinking about Airbnb and we're just thinking about whether or not we wanted to stay, to your point, we had stories of like, frat boys, you know, Mm -hmm. renting out air mattresses. And now, no pun intended, it is to some extent a very mature environment. And a lot of people are getting in and say, hey, this is cool, not just to stay at, but also to own and host.
1: How much money are they making?
0: So the study said that's such a
1: personal question. Well, (laughs) well, it was
0: around six thousand dollars a year. Right. So not not chump change, but for a side hustle, assuming you know, you don't have to leave your home and you're yeah. just renting out a room, or maybe you have the type of home that has a separate entrance if it's easy for you and secure. Like I think that that's really, really cool. Cause yeah. obviously you can use that to, you know, pay off debt. You know, just hey, you could that's your vacation money. Or
1: just substitute. That's your bingo mortgage.
0: money. Yeah. It could be mortgage, bingo anything money. you want to <laughs> do. Gambling money. It's yours. You earned
1: it. Yeah. Now that all sounds great, but you guys know whenever we're talking about a limited resource, whether it's clean water or housing. Once you introduce it to capitalism, you really open yourself up to encountering issues of supply and demand, and Airbnb is no different. So as Julian mentioned, the ability to earn extra income from short-term rentals has led to some property owners only investing in property specifically for that purpose. And that can create competition that raises the property values of surrounding houses in those areas and makes it difficult for local residents to actually buy homes in the neighborhoods that they live in. So that's one challenge is that investors are specifically buying homes for this purpose and not for long term inhabitants. The other thing is that it essentially created a new market for short term rentals, which increased the demand for properties that can be rented on a short term basis. Yep. Now, when property owners choose to rent their properties this way, it reduces the supply of long term leases, which not only drives up the price for renters, but it can also cause a home shortage because there are fewer homes available. I so again, another say, issue.
0: It's beyond can cause. It, it it has caused. Yeah. yeah. In in several cities, it they have basically, you know, pointed the finger and pointed the blame at owners of short-term yeah. rentals and Airbnb, and yeah, it's it's been a bit of a mess.
1: Yeah, so you see, the first example is you are affecting people who want to buy a home. The second example is affecting people who want to rent homes. And this third example affects everybody in the area because there are implications of local taxes, which mm-hmm. vary depending on the jurisdiction and the specific taxes in question. So for example, if you were a hotel And had a bunch of transient guests that were coming in and out, you would be subject to, or you may be subject to, occupancy taxes that are used to fund local services like tourism, public safety, and so on. But these taxes are typically passed on to the guest or included in the room price. Like the owner-operator of that hotel knows that this is a thing and accounts for it. But when you're talking about short-term rentals, investors may not be aware of their tax obligations or may fail to pay them to the right authority, and it's hard for city officials to really track what's owed to ensure compliance and regulate the same way that they do hotels. So you're also looking at a potential tax shortage and this looming conflict between local governments where these homes are and kind of who get, who gets to keep the spoils of all of this revenue from these from these short-term guests.
0: Yeah, it is super complicated. And at the end of the day though, I think people forget that you know, we're talking about Airbnb, we're talking about Short term rentals, but like we're still talking about real estate. So the forces that shape that industry have an impact on the short-term rental property owner. So along those lines, the pandemic, like a lot of things, has also exacerbated some of these issues. And so for starters, one, there is a huge spike in demand for larger homes. Why? Because more people are working from home and prior to 2020, their homes weren't really set up for that. So this affects the short-term rental market because larger homes are typically found in the suburbs, which means people are leaving bigger cities for more space and this leaves vacancy and urban areas where a lot of people are finding their properties. So that's where you're seeing the supply and the motivated sellers. Now, on the other hand, smaller homes in the burbs are becoming available because again, people want space. So those homes are also being snapped up By investors to turn them into short-term rentals, which makes the market for larger homes so much more competitive. And this is part of the reason why there are so many bidding wars going on for desirable homes, because people are desperate for space and they're willing to pay a super crazy premium for it. So that's one thing.
1: Yeah, I have some friends that are looking for a home now and they talk about, you know, every time they put in an offer, it's like, I hope I'm not outbid by an all-cash Airbnb investor (laughs) because they are willing to pay a premium for it. Presumably because they see a return on their investment much quicker in short-term
0: stays. And it's not just that. I mean, you're thinking about the fact that you can just be a single person, but you don't really know who else is submitting the bid, right? It's it's one thing to say, oh, well, I'm competing with other working-class or middle-class families. But the reality is, in some cases, you're competing against, like, many re- real estate investment groups, right, that have pooled their resources and are obviously well-positioned to outbid you. And so it really sort of creates this weird world, and this is what a lot of people are experiencing right now. But there's another reason why people want larger homes, and it's because they need that space for grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. I remember back in the day, And I say that like it was that long ago, but like (laughs) it was a little over a decade ago. Millennials were getting beat up for going back home and wanting to stay and, and save on money so that they can pay off student loan debt to stay with mom and dad. But now what we're seeing is what they're calling the reverse boomerang effect, which is this spike in moms and dads, older sort of boomers that are moving back in with their children. And again, when you think about what that means and the implications on the home and the space, that means, hey, if you find out that your mom and dad aren't cutting and you've got to jump in, you might not be able to do that in your downtown home. You got to move to the suburbs, which means it's just more demand. And so all of these things combined, I think, are creating a bit of the frenzy that we're seeing. I think the thing is, when you think about housing, whether it's your primary home, long term or short term rental, whenever there's a shift in society or culture, it's going to have an impact on the home. We talked a little bit about the shift to flexible workspaces and all of these other things. All of those things combined, I think, are affecting where people want to live. That has an effect on supply and demand. And all of those things, I think, are contributing to why short term rentals are booming right now.
1: I love it. So, after all of that, if you are still interested in jumping in, here's what you'll need to know. In terms of a business plan, it's pretty similar to how you would prepare for a long term rental there's the rental fees that you collect, which becomes your revenue. And then there are the expenses, which, you know, this is a short list. There are probably more, but there's the mortgage on the property. There's the homeowners association, assuming there is one, there's utilities, electric gas, trash, sewer, if applicable, there's vacancy, right? So you want to factor in an imaginary line item for the days that the property is empty. Some people say budget approximately 10%, but this all depends on kind of where you are and the factors that we just kind of outlined. Yeah. Uh, there's repairs. Some people say again budget five percent. Some people say ten percent. This also depends on if you have an HOA because some of this may be covered by your HOA, and it just depends on the general wear and tear of the guests that you host in that property
0: and how old the home was. Exactly. Right? Like it's one of those things that changes. You know, you know, you're bringing me back to our our days of owning. But yeah. to your point, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at a long term rental or short term rental. This math and the way of thinking about expenses are pretty much all the same.
1: And then there's insurance, because <laughs> you don't want to forget about insurance. You want to have a policy on that home for sure, and potentially even an umbrella policy above that to account for anything costly or catastrophic that may happen. You remember the days of you know working in the hotel industry. Oh, yeah. People die and get sick or injured in a hotel all the time. Yeah. I don't know what the, what the rules are for Airbnb and what Airbnb covers versus what you as the homeowner, but... It's always good to have layers of protection oh, when you're yeah. hosting a bunch of different people on your property you know, throughout the year. So let's just assume this was a long-term rental that was occupied nine months out of the year for $1,000 a month. Okay. You can assume that you would make about $9,000 a year minus all of the expenses that we covered. Hopefully, you're able to retain enough profit to make this work for you. But if it's a short term rental, calculating rent is completely different because you may have seasonal rates or rates for special events. You'd have to include a cleaning service fee because you'd have to clean the property after every stay to prepare for the next guest. And on top of that, you got to pay Airbnb to list your property there. It's going to cost you three percent of the reservation subtotal whenever you get paid. So quick math again and, you know. Math ain't never really quick when it comes to me, but (laughs) we're
0: rounding up
1: here, rounding up. Let's just say the average rate that you charge is around one hundred dollars a night and it's occupied half the time, 50 percent of the time. That's one hundred dollars times one hundred and eighty two days, which is eighteen thousand two hundred dollars. That's nice. Right. You pay Airbnb three percent of that, which is about five hundred and fifty dollars. And you retain a little under eighteen thousand dollars. Now, assuming you pay seventy-five dollars for each cleaning, one hundred and eighty-two cleans is almost eleven thousand yeah. dollars. So, knock that off, <laughs> knock that off the list. You're left with sixty-seven hundred ish dollars, and you still got to pay all the bills that we said before. So, that basically means two things: you either need to have fewer empty days, so minimize the vacancy, fill it up more often than the hundred and eighty-two days that you currently rent it at. Or you need to raise the daily rental rate above and beyond $100 plus all the fees that Airbnb adds on.
0: Yeah, I know that's a lot of numbers, but I mean, that is generally speaking like the business model as a whole. Right. So you're either going to fill up more nights or you're going to. Do something to the property to warrant, let's say, your ability to charge a higher rate. So that leads us to the investment strategy. Like, what type of property do you buy? How many bedrooms and or bathrooms you have? What is the driver or the sort of local thing? What's the reason why people would even want to come there? Are they visiting something and you're nearby? What are comparable homes renting for, and what do they offer relative to your home? What do or can you do in addition to, let's say, the design that might make make your particular Airbnb a little nicer, which would then warrant your ability to raise the rate. Whether it's a short-term rental or long-term rental, I think this approach is generally the same. You've got to think about all of that though, before you jump into it, because otherwise you're going to be stuck with a property that you can't quite charge enough for, right. or a property where it's just you just can't feel those days, right? Like it's a you know, it's kind of the beauty of the of the business. It's pretty simple, but like I think a lot of people they get a little fuzzy with that math. They make those bad decisions, then they find themselves stuck with the property, uh, and the costs very much just erode the value of uh, the cash flow. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think this is something that really starts with pricing. So very similar to owning your primary home, all of that needs to be factored into your pricing. How much are you actually willing to acquire the property as a whole? If your goal is to basically use like a spare bedroom, though which is the original premise of the site, right, where you're just throwing down like an air mattress, you can bypass a lot of that stuff, right? right? Like that's actually, you know, sort of proves the original intent, which is what kind of conflicts with this rise of short-term rentals. It's like, well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense when you are charging people for something that you already own that does not require a lot of amenities and cleaning and all of these things, versus going to the process of financing uh, a loan to buy a separate home, to buy a portfolio of homes. Like, you know, it, it really wasn't designed for that, but I can see why some people do it. But so the point is there's a lot that you can factor into your investment Strategy. Whether you're going to use something that you already have or you're going to go out there and try to acquire properties, the big point that we're seeing here is focus heavily on cost because how much you pay for that property or how much you pay to fix up that property or make upgrades is going to have a downstream impact on how much money you're actually going to be able to make. And wherever you can find efficiencies is going to work in your favor.
1: I think you made a really good point about making sure that as a landlord or as an investor that you are beginning with the end in mind, because when we were landlords, I remember walking through the property and thinking all all the things that I would want to see in this unit. And I had to stop myself because the reality was it wasn't for me. And you have to be really, really clear on who your target guests are and what they want, particularly in this environment. Just because you like lava lamps doesn't mean that you should have them in the house. Just because I like coffee doesn't mean that other people might be willing to pay a premium for an expensive coffee maker or having coffee on hand in the kitchen. You have to be really clear on why you're making the investment with the intent of strengthening your offer to prospective guests. And that doesn't always go well because there was a time where we rented it in Nashville. And I can tell that these owners had put a lot of thought into creating this persona for the house. The house had its own Instagram account so that you could kind of see the features and the best angles. And it was, you know, this cute little Airbnb in East Nashville. It gave hipster vibes. It had a porch swing, and an attic. But imagine my surprise when I walked in and there were zero TVs in the house. They were. Do you remember this trip?
0: I do. remember. <laughs> yeah. It was a uh, birthday trip.
1: Yeah. There, they had no TVs. And I didn't even think to look for them in the pictures because I assumed obviously you would have a TV if yeah. you're hosting guests. The bedroom that we slept in that I had been looking at that had this dreamy lighting was literally in the front of the house, like where a dining room would be. And it's like, oh, no wonder <laughs> the lighting is so good. It's the front of the house. And then even upon closer examination of the really cute, interesting bookshelf that had like all the Southern artifacts and was perfectly curated, like there was some racist ones mixed in there. And so it was just a matter of like really coming to terms with like, I can tell that they were thoughtful, but they weren't necessarily thoughtful about all of the guests that would encounter their
0: property Yeah, and we've had that experience in several places. Like I think it took us a couple a couple of trips, right, before we started to realize
1: how to look at the how
0: to look at the pictures and how to shop at Airbnb, right. So I think it was Montreal because I remember you were pregnant at the time, yeah, and it, we just we saw ceiling fans. And it was a beautiful loft. But we get there and it was like summer and it was warm and there was no air conditioning. Right. Not, you know, at night things did cool down. I mean, enough, you know, but like it was not air conditioned, but it had heat. Right. And I think what I learned was that when you're looking on the website and you see that indicator, you know, like there is like, I don't know what it was. It was like the.
1: It's like a snowflake in a
0: flame. Right. It was like, no, you actually have to read like carefully because like just because they have heat doesn't mean they have air conditioning. Oh, my God. And vice versa.
1: I remember this property because they were bees. Like we tried to open the window. So there
0: was like a hornet's (laughs) nest. Right. Because we was like, ah, but it's fine because you get beautiful views of old Montreal. If you, I dare you to open that window (laughs) and you might invite literally hundreds of bees. Like there were all these little things. And back then we were young and we didn't care. It was like, oh, it's a cool story to tell. That could have went bad (laughs) really quickly. There was also, I don't know if you remember in Sicily, there was the time where I think because it got really cold at night and we turned on the heat but we didn't could not figure out how to turn it off yeah. and then we found out that oh well we thought we turned it off but we didn't realize that there were actually Uh, like heated floors throughout the entire apartment. I I mean, it was hot. It was like walking (laughs) on lava. And so like we had to like call someone like late at night and the owner's son had to come in and realize, that you know, like I had, I thought icons were universal. So (laughs) all of that to say, like these are things that you really have to think about on both sides, right? Like what are the features that you're going to have? It's great that to floor, wall to wall heating. But like, I certainly did not expect that. And I certainly did not know how to turn it on. (laughs) Like, it was really, really weird. But all of that to say, right, like that's not the only issue I think here, if you're thinking about owning one. But I think one that is more specific to uh, the profitability or potential profitability of your home is some of the local legal issues that might just pop up uh, after you've already secured the property. So I'll give you an example. And it's one rooted in our home Atlanta, So in May 2022, the city of Atlanta issued an ordinance as a new ordinance that stated that people could only own two Airbnbs or whatever platform you have short term rentals on. Uh, And one of them must be your primary residence. Like they basically created like an incredible cap. It was like Mm -hmm. you can have your home and you can rent it out and then you can own one more. That's it. Then they added a bunch of other stuff. They said you had to be a resident of the city in order to do it. You needed to pay $150 annually for a permit and pay an 8% tax rental fee. To your point about some of the fees and taxes that hotels are responsible for paying, Airbnbs were basically getting away scot-free, which is why they were so, quote-unquote, profitable. profitable, Right? So all of that to say, between that, between some of the other restrictions around like noise and partying, like they basically... Use led their legislative power to, I don't want to say delegitimize this platform, but basically really make it difficult for people to earn significant amount of money. And yeah, it just like really sort of undermined anyone's approach that was looking to be, let's say a short-term rental owner. So these are the kinds of things that you want to think about. Don't just look for the property or look for the neighborhoods where you may be able to find one. Do some research, try to see what the general mood is on whether or not people are open to even having them in your area or in that community because it really just takes one passing of an ordinance to basically force you to sell that particular property and that's a lot of time and money lost. It really makes me think about when we first started learning about Airbnb while we were working in the hotel industry and we were paying attention to the general mood of hotel executives and back then they were just kind of like, oh, we're not concerned about this right. at all, right? <laughs> like it was still sort of a baby company. They felt like, oh, it's not regulated. There are no standards. Like, people Someone are not going to want to do this. Like, well, sure, there's America, a market for it. it surely but it's not, not going to yeah. take any market share away from us. And they were clearly wow. very, very, very wrong, wrong about that. I know several people, especially families, especially when they're traveling with multi-generational families. It's like, yeah, you don't have a product hotels that really meets my needs, but I can rent out an entire home and have access to it. I'd much rather do that than stay in a hotel. So all of that to say there are pros, there are cons. I think all of those things that we've mentioned from legal issues to investment strategy to sort of pricing, all of those things I think need to be factored into the equation before you jump on board and jump into the short-term rental market as a owner or as they call them, hosts.
1: All right. So let's wrap it up with a list, a quick list of pros and cons. I'll take the pros. You can take the cons. Okay. So my pros, one, you can make money doing it, whether it is supplemental income or a primary source. It's really up to you. But the primary thing that Airbnb solves for is the liquidity issue that doesn't really exist in long term leases and traditional leases because you kind of lock in a rate and you only get paid once a month and you can't really turn or offer dynamic pricing for special events. And so a short term rental allows you to get paid anytime you have a tenant, which is very different than a long term lease. Yes. Second pro, super easy to sign up. Like there are very little to no barriers barring city legislation. It's just easy as just going onto Airbnb and signing up.
0: Yep. If I'm not mistaken, you can also like probably reach out to other hosts. There might be some type of incentive program Uh where it's like, oh, we'll give you 60 days, no fees or something like that. Like these kinds of incentives happen all the time. So yeah, start there.
1: And then the third pro is that it's flexible. You can do a hybrid. You could do month to month agreements for people like traveling nurses and then leave the summer up for more transient seasonal travel if you feel like dealing with cleaning and just more customer service. So again, totally up to you in terms of how you run your business, how you how you rent out your property. But I like that there's flexibility there to decide whether you want to be a hotel or if you just want to be a apartment with shorter lease terms.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I've got the bad news, right? Or the cons and the big surprise there. So first one, and it's really going back to the last point that I made, which is that your local city, county, state, like it doesn't matter. They can flip in a heartbeat. They can decide that they don't want it. uh, And that can create a lot of headaches for you. And so make sure that you also do that work. Again, this is the real estate business, but there is like a an additional layer of legislative preparation that you need to do uh, to make sure that you have a general idea of what the mood is or what the tone is and how welcoming people are for Airbnbs or short-term rentals in the community you plan on investing in. The second one is really simple rule of thumb. The more traffic, the more foot traffic, the more wear and tear is going to be on your home, right? When you talk about a long-term rental, I think people are already mindful of the idea that renters are not going to love the home nearly as much as the owner. But with a long-term rental, you, you generally accept that, all right, there's, there's an understanding here. Like you have to live here too. So you have a built-in incentive for how uh, nice or clean you want to keep the place. Short-term renters have no desire to do that at all. And I would say even in recent years, there's been even more pushback because a lot of Airbnb owners have been leaving like cleaning instructions for people. Oh, yeah. It's like right? chores. And it's like, hey, before like, you hey, check you take out, take out, out the trash, put the sheets in the dryer, <laughs> in the washer, load up the dishwasher. And it's like, <laughs> this is part of the experience. It's like I pay Welcome to our please. home. And it's like, yeah, no, if that's the case, then right go ahead
1: Rumbly and my cleaning fee back. go
0: ahead and waive the, the cleaning fee but again your this is what people are, <laughs> are, are are dealing with the third one is the housing crisis right like and this is more so from a safety perspective the reality is like airbnb has unequivocally contributed to the housing shortages that we've seen in a lot of neighborhoods around the country and as a result people are not nearly as like sort of kind to like landlords and owners. I don't know that people have ever really been that kind or look nicely to them, but they certainly look down or see those people as uh, those who are kind of taking advantage of a situation. And so you want to be mindful of that because those people can be so angry that they create some type of disturbance or, you know, violence against uh, guests. or yeah. like
1: because we've experienced that too. It's not just they look down on landlords. They also don't like the idea that their home life is disrupted correct. by... A stream of new guests coming in with different needs. Some have pets, some have children, some yeah. have parties. And so the idea that, like, your neighbor isn't going to be unhinged because there's just a stranger next door all the time. And I don't
0: think that's an unreasonable feeling, right? Like if you moved into a community and you expected it to be a homeowner's community, you don't have an expectation that every other week there's a new family or a new couple, or sometimes there are parties going on right next door to you. Right. So I can see where that can be an issue for the sake of parallelism. I added three cons to your pro, but I'm going to add a fourth one, which is that the reliance on the short-term rental market to the labor market, right? So the reality is we talked about how expensive cleaning a house can be. Well, a lot of times that is contingent on like these companies or these organizations or these individual cleaning groups. Well, if they push back on pricing or if they raise their rates, you as an owner need to absorb that or you need to find a way to pass that on to your guests, which has an influence on pricing and profitability and maybe vacancy and all of those things. So it is not, I think the big, Lesson here is that it is not as simple as finding an affordable home, loading it up on Airbnb, and maybe you two can earn an extra six to ten thousand dollars. It's work. First of all, there are a lot of variables, some of which you have no control or insight into that could impact the viability of that investment. And so I think ultimately the question becomes, is it worth it? And that is a question that, uh, you know, only you can answer. Man,
1: you kind of stole my final thought. Oh, did I? With your little rant. Little extra fourth bullet.
0: It's my brilliance.
1: <laughs> it's your birthday when this airs, so I'll allow it. But my final thought is exactly what you're what you're saying. And it's about this dominant tone or sentiment that we see online, presumably from short-term investors, which is that they're these passive investment opportunities because you can essentially outsource every aspect from the booking to the cleaning to the customer service. You don't have to touch anything as an owner. And I'm here to tell you that most of those people are peddling fiction. Yeah. You remember that? Remember when Barack Obama said that? I did. <laughs> peddling fiction. I'm going to bring it back in 2023. Most of them people are peddling fiction. If you do get a, a short-term rental at Airbnb or any sort of real estate investment, prepare to work hard. Short-term rentals require a lot of work, not just to market the property, but to also manage the bookings, customer inquiries, deal with any issues that arise. And if you don't have the time or, more importantly, the energy to manage the teams that you hire or the people that you serve, this is probably not the right investment for you. If you're unsure about whether it's right, then consult with a professional or find someone who also owns a property to reach out to them. But this is the kind of thing that you want to approach with a clear eyed view of the risks and the rewards before you jump in.
0: Yeah, that's pretty comprehensive. Um, let's see <laughs> my final thought. I, I have several. The first thing I will say is that like a lot of things, and, and this is maybe indicative of my age, the fundamentals of the marketplace are really what matters here, right? Right. Can you answer the question clearly, who are the people that are coming to stay at that property, right? So this is not a, if you build it, they will come. If you list it, they will book it situation, right? And I think that's part of the challenge here is that to your point, there are so many people online making it seem as if it is just that simple. Slap it up on the website. They get millions of visitors every single day. You're going to get on average X amount and blah, blah, blah. It rarely works that simple, right? So have a clear idea of what the demand driver is in your market and let that be, or let that weigh heavily on your decision or whether or not you have the viability to, have a short-term rental in your market. Have a clear idea on what the supply issues are as well. Like, are there a lot of properties for sale? What is the supply relative to, let's say six months ago, right? So that will give you an idea of like how much you might also be able to pay to acquire that property. But the last thing is a bit of an unknown. And it's the fact that, Uh, very similar to Uber. Like when you think about Uber, you saw shortly after that Lyft sort of presenting itself as an alternative. Airbnb has sort of owned that space for quite a while. And I think we all need to kind of think about what impact competition may have on that. And then this could be competition from other short-term rental properties, even though there were smaller ones out there, but like Airbnb is like the Google of short-term rentals. But like, Competition can shake things up really, really quickly. And it could be someone who is willing to charge 2%, 2.5%. And just that little tweak could be the difference between you having a profitable property and one that sits empty. So do your research and, as always, choose wisely. Yeah,
1: I'd love to see apartments and condos get into the business as true competitors.
0: Hotels are starting, you're starting to see more hotels with residences.
1: Gables, sink, all of these big apartments that have hundreds of units. If they offered more flexible leases. Correct.
0: And said, just stay here. Just stay in our model mm-hmm. unit instead mm-hmm. of whatever. You're
1: right, actually. They Your mom's have apartment it. does do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, I'm telling you. It's just a matter of someone saying, hey, I want a piece of that pie. And all of a sudden, Airbnb isn't nearly as popular as it used to be.
1: Right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. If you enjoy today's episode and have extra room, get it? extra room in your schedule head on over to your favorite podcast platform review page and leave us a five-star rating and review we will see y'all next week
0: you could also just do it because it's my birthday
1: that too oh i should have you know i like the extra room if you have extra room it's fine because of the spare room y'all understand you're not y'all thinking kidding. about me <laughs> also leave him a birthday review please we'll see y'all next week